It's great to be together this morning, and uh, it's a great pleasure for us to have Guy and Heather with us. Known Guy and Heather for many years, and uh, the reason uh, I came uh, over 12 years ago was because uh, Guy. I remember uh, Guy rang me one day, and he said, "Have you ever thought of going to Winchester?" So, if you want to blame anybody, he's your man. And uh, but I want us to give him a really warm hand. He's a great friend of this church. Uh, he was in this church many years ago, was part of this church for a long time. So let's give him a really warm hand. Thank you, Steve. It's very bright up here, isn't it? Cool. Can't even see anybody out there. This is, that's good news. Um, I really thank God for the day I invited uh, Steve and Annie, uh, can't see them, but uh, they're here somewhere, uh, to come to Winchester. Uh, it's been a huge joy to see the church growing and uh, to see so many new faces. And I really am humbled to be speaking to you this morning. Uh, this church has got great fondness in Heather and my memories. Uh, was it school, Peter Simmons School? boarding school, grammar school, before it became a sixth form college, the very last intake. Uh, so I've known Winchester, Alsford for many, many years. And uh, I love this church. I love all that God is doing and uh, preparing you for the future as well. And uh, so this morning's talk is, um, I, I hope it's more like a fireside chat this morning. I'm not coming to rah-rah and to galvanize you to this great mission or what have you, but I, I, I want to try, try and get close to you individually. Uh, it's a difficult job sometimes when you're preaching, but I want to try and encourage you into what is it that uh, you are praying about right now? Um, it's wonderful to hear the prophetic when we were together, just hearing that God is speaking and God wants to speak. But I wonder what your prayer is, your predominant prayer, prayer, your prevailing prayer at the moment? Is it, I, I just want COVID to go and to life to return to normal? Wouldn't that be great? Maybe it's, uh, actually, I, I'm, I'm just longing, my big prayer is to get some holiday overseas. That's as far as it goes. Um, maybe your prayer is, actually, I, I, I want to know what is next in my life, what God has next in my life. And all of these are legitimate prayers, prayers that we've all been praying, maybe not spoken clearly, but yet in our hearts. And I want to encourage us all to pray at the end of this short talk, a biblical prayer, a prayer that is found in Acts chapter 4. I think it might even come up on the screen. If it doesn't, you have to go to your Bibles. But a prayer that was prayed by the early church in the midst of a very difficult time for them. This has been a very difficult time for everybody in this room, for everybody in our nation. And for Christians in particular, thinking, what is happening? What is God doing? What is God preparing and wanting for his church in these times? And so we're going to finish by praying. We know this, when we pray the Bible, we know we're on to a sure, sure thing. But I'm looking today, I felt God draw me today when I was thinking about coming and speaking here about praying a another prayer, a prayer I've called the, the, a prayer that actually stops God, a heart cry that stops God. And I'm going to read a passage in um, 
Mark's gospel in terms of just building faith for us to all pray Acts 4 at the end of this talk. Acts 4 verse 46, it says, When they came to Jericho, that's Jesus and his disciples, as Jesus and his disciples together, the large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Wonderful uh, passage of scripture. And uh, I'm just going to unpack it very simply for each of us in three questions, three simple questions in terms of what you're praying for and what you're longing for and believing God in the future. Because I'm believing God personally for a different day for the church of Jesus Christ in the nation. I'm believing that the Spirit of God would fall on his church, much the way in which the prophetic was talking about this morning, like calves released from the stall, that the church would be released into a new day of the Holy Spirit and into a new realm of spiritual power, signs and wonders being part and parcel of everything we do together. And I'm believing for revival in our nation, that our nation, which has gone so far from God and keeps running from God, will turn back in their droves in huge numbers and come seeking God. And so it's important to know how we can respond at a time like this and what lessons that blind Bartimaeus teaches us in this scripture. So the first thing I want to ask you is, do you see, do you just see a label? The disciples come to Jericho and a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging a beggar a beggar just one of many beggars Jericho Jericho the city that was city number one on the hit list of the great sort of invasion of the promised land the the city that was walled up to the sky and, and no military genius could work out how to get into this God could and God said to his people, worship is a priority. Worship is always a priority. And so in this really unconventional way, marching around, worshipping God, the city walls came down and Jericho was taken. Now we're 1,200 years on. Jericho's been rebuilt. And uh, Jericho had become the winter palace of King Herod. And uh, of course, when royalty make a, a palace, 
all the toadies all gather there as well, all the rich and the famous, they, they wanted to move into Jericho. And so this was a place of the rich and famous, a bit like Mayfair or Park Lane in London today. And not surprisingly then, people who had nothing made their way there as well and lined the streets, much the same way again if you go to Barclay Square, right next to Mayfair, you'll find the homeless and the poor on the streets because this is a place they're looking for the rich to throw them a coin where their life might just be turned around. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, we don't know much about him, but he was a person. His father was Timaeus. Maybe his father was someone who, was, uh, who died when Bartimaeus was young. Maybe he couldn't look after young Bart and young Bart was put out onto the streets or a hard time. But all we do know in this story is that he, this Bartimaeus, was one of many who lined the streets of that city, calling out for arms, calling out for someone to take mercy on him. This story asks very difficult questions of all of us when we walk along the streets of Winchester, when you walk along the streets of Southampton, because it's very easy just to see a label, a homeless person, a beggar, a person who is not like us that we can choose to ignore or, or put a label on and, and walk on past. And we can build bridges very quickly in the church of Jesus Christ that keep people at arm's length because they are undesirable. They're smelly people. They're people who don't speak our language. They're foreigners. What do they do? Belonging in our country. We can build walls. And the church of Jesus Christ, as we see here in Jesus, is always to build bridges. And what keeps us from people, all of us from people, are these judgments that we all make. So I'm giving you some homework today. I want you to go home and make a list. And make a list of all the judgments you make about another person that keeps you at arm's length. You say to me, and up on the balcony, because they're more spiritual up there, you say to me, but guy, Matthew 7, 1, one of my favorite verses, judge not that you be not judged. I'm not a judgmental person. You are. We are. We live in a very judgmental age. And so let me give you a start of a 10 because you're all thinking, hang on, how do I process this in terms of reality? Mask wearers or non-mask wearers? Who do you keep at arm's length? Fast drivers, people who overtake you, people who jump the queue ahead of you. What judgments do you make? Color of skin, what judgments do you make about color? Age, the color of their hair, their scarf, their football supporters, what do they wear? The labels they wear, it's a crew clothing, oh I know what camp he belongs to, she belongs to, we, we keep people at arm's length, they belong in that camp, this belongs in this camp and we keep people continuously at arm's length rather than allowing them to be seen as people that God loves. That the person that you ignore, the person you choose to not move towards is a person that Jesus loves 
and wants us to touch. In Luke chapter 10, there is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And a lawyer asked this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And we know the story well because we've all been taught the Bible well here. We know that the question of, of, of who is my neighbor, Jesus was saying, everyone is your neighbor. You can't walk on by. You, it's not a question of, for a believer to think, I can ignore that situation, that peril, that problem, because it's our problem when we see it. But what is very interesting is the question that the teacher of the law asks what must I do to inherit eternal life? Often we read that thinking, this guy's asking how to be saved, how to become a Christian, but it's not asking that question. He's asking the question how to live a life that pleases God every day of our lives. And so Jesus asks him a question, well, how do you sum up the 2,000-odd laws of the Old Testament? If you're such a clever clogs, how do you sum it up? And he sums it up in a genius way. He says it's about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength. And it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's absolutely superb. Go, do it, and live. But he wants to justify himself. Christians are always wanting to justify ourselves. We always want to compare ourselves how everybody else is doing. But Jesus is saying, when you meet somebody, when you see a need... It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility. A person crying, a person in your college, a person who's a loner, a person being bullied, a person on the street, a person who's crossing the ocean to get to Britain. It's, as they cross your path, it's your responsibility, my responsibility. It's a brilliant answer. Love God and live a fruitful life in loving others. So let me ask you that first question. Are you building a bridge or a wall? Do you see a label or are you cross towards a person? Secondly, will you allow God to break your heart? Many rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Let's just imagine Bartimaeus. Oh, you can't see me. I'll be a beggar here. He's blind. Maybe he's been blind all his life. He's begging. He's holding out his hands for anyone who will show him mercy. But his hearing is good. And as he's been sitting or as he's been led and left on the street, he's heard story. He's got into conversation with other beggars next to him. He's heard stories that Jesus of Nazareth is doing some incredible miracles. He's, there's even rumor that he raised the dead. Lepers have been cleansed. People with skin diseases, it's like newborn babies. And even blind eyes have been opened. And Bartimaeus is captivated. And tell me more, what's, what's going on? And then on this day, this particularly wonderful, special day, he hears the best news ever that Jesus is actually walking down the street on his way to Jerusalem. It's 15 miles 
to get to Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples, and there's a crowd, there's a big crowd, and Bartimaeus can hear it moving down the street towards him. Oh, rich people are being introduced to Jesus. They're, they're, they're showing their, their prestige and their titles and who they are. But the crowd is buzzing around Jesus and he can sense Jesus is, is, is just about here. And in all that noise, he, he, he finds courage to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But Jesus doesn't hear him. In fact, the people around him Blind men were treated as sinners and, shut up, shut up, it's Jesus, leave him alone. But Bartimaeus sums up everything in him and he cries out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. Call him and his friends around him lift him up. Cheer up. I love that. I love that scripture. Cheer up. You know, if God, God was saying anything to the church today, I'd say this. Cheer up. <laughs> Cheer up. He's calling you. He's calling you. Jesus' voice is being heard. He's calling you. And what a, what a scripture. What do you want me to do for you? When Jesus saw the crowds, it says in Matthew 9, 36, he had compassion on them something which is raw something which is deep from within that comes from deep within from your bowels Richard Puritan Richard Sibb says when Christ saw the misery his bowels yearned within him the works of grace and mercy in Christ they came from his bowels first I don't know where you all are from your walk with God some of you may not even have had an encounter with the living God but Please, one thing remember from this talk, if you forget everything else, is that God in Christ, his, his deepest emotion towards you is one of compassion and mercy. He longs to rescue you. He longs to embrace you. He longs to deliver you from all your fears and, and all your past and all your sins and everything that's messed up your life. He is a God who is full of love, full of grace, full of compassion. And Jesus, it says, Dane Ortland in his wonderful book, um, whatever it was, Deeper or whichever one he's written, says this, Jesus deals gently, oh, gent gentle and lowly, isn't it? Gently and, and only gently with all sinners who come to him and irrespective of their particular offense and just how heinous it is. I want to just encourage two, two responses here. If you're not a Christian, today is your day. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day for you to turn back and not to see a harsh God, a distant God, a God who doesn't care, but a God who knows your life, knows the very hairs on your head and bids you come to him. All who are burdened and laden and carried down by sin and depression and to find that loving embrace today. But for every one of us who is a Christian, I believe God wants to work by his Holy Spirit and soften our hearts. So easy to switch on our television set and watch a migrant in the crossing of the English Channel and feel like, oh, push off, we don't want you. Very easy for us to walk past a homeless person in the street. It's not my responsibility. What's the council doing? 
Where's the charities that should be looking after this person? Very easy to think about the super rich, the 86 people who earn like half of the world's wealth and be very judgmental, not realize we're part of the 1% who owns 99% of the world's wealth. Jesus is asking us to take responsibility for others. And he's asking our hearts that our hearts will be broken by God's great love. Firstly for us, which is an amazing thing. But two, as we look at the world that's broken around us. This world is broken. COVID has shattered our nation. And people are very broken. Broken families, broken lives, broken people, broken bodies. And God asks us to be the person who brings his love, his compassion, his mercy, his kindness, his healing into those situations. So my final question is, will you cross the great divide? Jesus stops. You might say to me, hang on, guy, in the scripture, Bartimaeus is the one who crosses the street. Jesus didn't cross the street. No, but Jesus has crossed the galaxies. Jesus has already crossed over. He's become a man. God's become a man. And he bids us meet him halfway. He bids us come to him. And here's what he says. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What? Gee, what's wrong with you, Jesus? <laughs> bit, of a, bit of a funny question. This guy's blind. No, no. It's very important that we express faith, that we, we, we come to Jesus and we, we speak to Jesus and we pray to Jesus and ask Jesus for what we want from him, from God. God wants to ask you specifically, what is it you're looking for? What is it you're wanting from God at this time? You see, I feel in these days the church is, 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 is broken. I feel the church needs to find who it is again. Individualism has ruined the church. It's about me and my ministry. It's not. It's all about what God wants to do with us. We're all full-timers in God's kingdom. And God wants us to realize and come back together that the church is the hope for the nation. What we do here on a Sunday is, bit, is just equipping us for our great mission six days a week out there. We're all full-timers. And if we just come to church for a spiritual pick-me-up and a, or a slap on the back, it's not enough. It's boring. It gets boring. If we just want to come and sing songs, it's not enough. No, we need to encounter the living God. We want to have Jesus say, come, come, what do you want me to do for you? And we say, Jesus, we want you to move in power. We want you to hear our hearts cry. We want you to have mercy on us. You see, there's an um, art form called kitsungi. This is a forgery because Heather made it. Uh, this was never broken, but it's the best we can do on a morning. Kitsungi takes every piece of a broken pot or a broken jar and with gold uh, uh, and resin mends it and puts it back together. It shows the cracks because it says every individual piece is unique and beautiful. But actually every piece only finds its real identity when it's brought back together with the whole. That's the church of Jesus Christ. 
We are glued together with an eternal love that sought us out. We love because he first loved us. And when he loved us and we find that love, we just don't go about our business going, oh, praise God, God loves me. No, we're joined into a community of love. And that community of love is so infectious, it affects the whole world around the church of Jesus Christ. Are you joined in to this church, this beautiful church, this wonderful church? And let me tell you, this type of love that I'm asking you to ask God for is expensive and it's inconvenient and it deals with big issues in our hearts. A few weeks ago, freezing cold morning, I'm on my way shopping Saturday morning, 7 30 in the morning, bitterly cold day. I'm walking into Boscombe, a needy area. Nobody around. An old lady is walking towards me, crossing the streets, and she falls. She falls badly. She bangs her head on the pavement, and she rolls into a ball. My, I'm, I'm 20, 30, 40 pace. My first thought, this is inconvenient. That's my first, I'm being honest with you. My second thought is, is there anybody else? Is there anybody else who can take care of her? I'm being honest with you. There was. Equidistant, coming the other way, was a drunk. Coming home from being drunk all night. And I'm thinking, I ought to moved towards her so I went towards her he moved towards her much faster than me we met halfway we met with this lady she's cracked her head open there's blood all over the pavement she's in a lot of pain from her hip I crouched down I, 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 I talked to her he's down there he's, he, he's from a different part of England very direct um, swearing you know what the thing are you doing what have you I said to him have you got a phone he said yeah I've got a phone I said Ring 999. So he's ringing 999. He's giving 999 a hard time. Okay? He is. He's saying, how long are you going to be? It's not good enough. She's, what do you mean if she had her COVID test? I don't know if she's had her effing COVID test. Have you had your effing COVID test? He's, I, am, I am judging this guy in all the wrong ways. I really am. His phone runs out of battery. I, I take over phone with my phone. phone and they're going to be half an hour. They're going to be half an hour. I'm, I'm saying to this lady, they're going to be half an hour. He walks off. He walks off. And in my heart, I am judging him. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, just, it's too cold for you. Yeah, go on. You leave me here in the freezing cold. I'm judging him. Five minutes later, he comes back with a steaming hot cup of tea, sweet tea, for this old lady. And he shows a compassion I hadn't shown. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that all my judgments that keep people at arm's length, they're all done away with in a moment of need and crisis. And he was the Good Samaritan that morning. And God the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I want to just encourage you. Be a man or a woman who moves towards crisis. 
Be a man or a woman who moves towards people. Don't walk by the other side. Don't feel it's not my responsibility. We have the hope of the world within us. We have Jesus within us. We can be confident that even though we don't know what to say or what to do, that just stopping, just crossing a room even this morning, crossing the great divide, means a lot to others. And you may be a means of grace where God brings deliverance and healing and power. So as I said, we're going to finish with a biblical prayer. Try not to break the plate because it will be needed in Kingsworthy. Now, is there a, are these verses actually down or am I going to ask us all to turn up Acts 4? Acts 4, verse 29. I'd like you to stand up. If you've got a Bible, here's what the verses say anyway. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay, we're going to, have you, have you got your Bibles? Any of you who've got your Bibles, I'm really NIV, I think, NIV. So if you've got a Bible, verse 29 of Acts chapter 4, let's say this as our prayer to God for this church, for this city, for this nation today. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Amen. Holy Spirit, I just pray what has been preached in weakness would find good soil. I pray, Lord, that you would move in power in this church, that you would stretch forth your hand this morning and perform signs and wonders and miracles in this very building. In this very church, we pray for fresh encounters, Holy Spirit power encounters that would change lives Sunday by Sunday by Sunday. I pray, Lord, you stretch forth your hand and motivate us to into the highways and byways for the poor and the needy which are on your heart, for the asylum seeker and the person who's coming from another nation. God, save us from a hard heart. I pray this week for divine appointments because we cross the road, we cross the, the street where we're living, we cross the church this morning, we reach out and touch other people's lives we've never spoken to and we breathe and we speak love and life into them because the Holy Spirit is on us. Holy Spirit, I pray for this community to turn inward and then to upward and then outward. I pray they would know the love of God filling their hearts this morning by your spirit. They'd know a love for one another like they've never known this year. But Lord, also they would then love this city, this nation, this place. For the glory of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. We'll go back to worship. Thank you.